What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? And thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to the drop in today. This show is really going to be used for the next year, five years, ten years as a historical, really digital document of what NRM really is. I am so excited about this show today. It, it really came together at the last minute, and I have goosebumps. I say it a lot. I say it a lot, but you see the goosebumps here, and you can see them. I don't know if you can see them from there, but I got them. And, and I get those with music, with, with different ideas, and with guests on the drop-in. And today, I'm so stoked to be a part of this. And so I'm going to sit back a lot of it and, and watch and listen and learn and be just like you, the viewer, here today. I want to thank you once again for tuning in. This has been a dream of mine to be able to reach across uh, these digital airwaves across the world and be able to inspire, motivate, get you guys fired up to get off your damn couch and make life happen. This isn't a dress rehearsal. Your life is not a dress rehearsal. If it's not where you want it to be, it's your choice. It's your decision to get it to where you want to be, and this show will help. No matter what episode you watch. You can watch J.R. Adams, Stuntman, uh, WrestleMania, and how he did it. You can watch Leah Stefanski and how she has shifted gears throughout her life to make dreams happen. You can go all the way back to our first episode with Kurt David and what he did with his passion in his life. And whatever your passion is in your life, you can create the dreams, create the goals, and create everything you ever can imagine. So stay tuned for today, because we're going to talk a lot about that with my guest. But I want to first open with, you know, in my life, you never really know who you're going to meet, where you're going to meet them, who you're holding the door for, who you're polite to, who you smile at. And uh, me being here is a great example of that. But, you know, I walked into a skate park one day, and I, I saw this weird-looking dude, and he had, like, some cheap gear on and whatnot, and I was polite to him just nice just nice helped him gave him a few tips and the following week i stopped by and and the owner of the skate park said hey gee that guy dave's asking about you he's asking where you are so i went in gave him a few tips again and he said you know what um I think I can help you in some things. Well, that gentleman was David Newby, and he is a best-selling author, huge in the Philippines, and he helped me get my first book written. That is just one example of being polite, being cool. You never know who you're sitting next to at a restaurant. Like I said, who you hold the door for, who you say good morning to. You just never really know who, how that person is going to influence you. I got a great quote from a friend of mine and he is a he is going to be a future guest on this show his name is Michelangelo Caruso and he told me the most important people in your life you have not met yet and that has proven true time and time and time again in my life so try it as you go about your day be polite smile to people laugh have a good time hold the door let somebody walk in front of you you just never know what influence you're going to have on that person's life you might just make them smile and they were having the worst morning in the world and you just made their day and shifted everything about the way the rest of that day goes for them. You just never know. So just be cool. We're all in this together. You know, I'm in this. You're in this. We're all in this together. And if we all treat each other, treat each other exactly the way we'd like to be treated, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. 
you know, as we continue to vibrate on a higher level, as we continue to get and reach our goals, everybody around us, everybody takes advantage of that. Everybody. And you'll see it happen immediately in your life. Immediately, it starts to resonate. We're giant magnets. We attract exactly what we put out. You put out positivity, you're getting more positivity back. You act like a dork, you're going to get more of that back. So remember that as you go about your day and just enjoy life. You know, like I said, we're all in this together. And so enjoy it. Enjoy it. I'm trying to enjoy it. You know, I enjoy being here at the NRM studios. It is fun for me. I get goosebumps multiple times throughout each episode because I am so stoked to be here with you guys. I'm so stoked to be on the air. So stoked to have the guests that I get to have. And sometimes I feel like Chris Farley, if you ever watch those old Saturday Night Lives, he's interviewing Paul McCartney at one point. And he's just saying the dumbest stuff. Like he's like, hey, you remember when you recorded that album? That was sweet. Sometimes I feel like that with my guests because I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm getting inspired just like you're getting inspired. And it's a really cool opportunity, and I don't take it for granted. I don't take your time for granted. This hour you spend with us here on the drop-in, I want to fill every minute, every second. I don't want to waste any of your time with this show. You're sitting down with us for one hour, and I want to make sure we make that hour count. So thank you for being here, and and please stay tuned. Stay tuned, because we're moving. We're moving towards my wonderful guest. And as we do, you know, over the summer, um, I broke my leg and I had to fill up my my brain because, you know, idle time, idle time, you can get in trouble. And I volunteered at the TEDx here in Detroit. And right after I got off my little knee scooter and I was at TEDx and I just wanted to see how it worked because eventually I want to speak at TEDx. So I just wanted to understand what goes on there and whatnot. And in TEDx Detroit, they have different levels and they have like trade shows. And if you fit with their model, you can uh, set up there. And it doesn't matter if you have products, if you have whatever. And so I'm walking around, checking things out. And I really enjoyed a podcast I did for a couple of years. And I, I had fun doing it. And there was a company there, and they were they were advertising. And there was these two younger gentlemen there. So I stopped and shot the breeze with them for a minute and said, you know, I, I might enjoy doing a, a podcast again. And I gave them a card. I handed out one card that day. One card with my phone number, email address, never really expecting much uh, uh, to come from that. And so, went about my day, left TEDx, whatever. About, I don't know, a couple weeks later, young lady calls me, and I, I really, I didn't pay that much attention to it. I didn't really, you know, and I'll be honest, I'm like, oh, they just want money from me. That's really what I thought at the time. Well, I end up answering the phone, and it is uh, my wonderful, wonderful, uh, she's way more than a friend, but Marianne Opp is on the other, other, other end of that phone call, and we have a, a conversation for a couple of hours. And she, she saw the website, and she liked what I was doing, and she thought there might be a fit there. And this is one card. Don't forget, I handed out one card all day long. There's thousands, thousands of people there, hundreds of booths, and I talk with Marianne. And it, it, it has blossomed into uh, an incredible, life-changing relationship. And this goes right along with the opening, opening monologue. You never know. You just don't know. One card, one word, one smile. You never know what that can do in your life, in somebody else's life. And for me, it's been life-changing. And I would love, 
love, love to introduce to you a gentleman who, um, after talking with Marianne and, and getting fired up and realizing we had some common goals and some commonalities, uh, she introduced me to a, 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 an amazing person named Paul Benzman. And I'll call him Mr. Benzman, and he'll tell me to call him Paul, and I'll still call him Mr. Benzman, because that's the way I was brought up. That's how I was brought up. But I would, I, I, it's my honor to introduce you all to Mr. Paul Benzman. Mr. Benzman, thank you for taking the time today. Thank you. You know, I, I'm listening to you. I watch you, and the energy in the room with you is amazing. I, I felt it from the day one that we met you. And Marianne, thank you. Uh, she's on the other side of the glass today, watching us. And when we met, it was like instant love. You know, it, it's like that one card thing, and it, it's really cool because you know people like you that have passion for what you do. Passion. Um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So, passion's important. I, I, I want to write a book called Just Tell Me I Can't. Challenge me and we'll do it. Um, but the energy that was in the room, our first meeting with Marianne and you, was just amazing. And we knew we wanted you. Okay? We have a family here. We said we need him to join in on our family. And um, it's, it's an amazing journey we've been on. It's a little over almost three years now, this journey they started. And when we met you, uh, you're our one-card guy. We, we say the one card. I tell the story many times about you. And I've got friends listening to you. It's, it's really nice. And they say, wow, you got some great stuff on your network. And you are a great addition, not only a great addition, but a very dear friend of mine. And uh, you're stuck with me for life, and you're stuck with our family. You know, we have a saying here, if you're man in here, I love you, but I don't like you now, but I love you. And, and so I say that. And the other thing is, you and I vibrate the same way. You know, I want to change the world, and I, I want to make just say, make one stranger smile today. If we could start that campaign, what kind of world would we have? You know, I'm the same as you. Open doors, say hello to strangers. People don't know how to accept that today. You know, you go to a store and you tell someone, how's your day going? The first thing they say, you're going to rob me? There's no trust in society today. And so, when I meet fresh air like you, and you listen to this stuff, you make my, you know, my dreams come true because we're like-minded. And when you do motivational speaking or stuff, and I speak at universities or at Career Day in Detroit Public Schools, it's you want to touch so many lives. Our, our job, we're put on this earth to touch people, to help people. And the energy you give, you give it back tenfold. And you don't do it for that, but that's who we are. We're put on this planet to touch lives and, and make that other person smile. If you can say one thing to a stranger and make them smile, that's, most than most pe that's more than most people do today. Well, and you know, a smile is, a, what do they call it, the law of reciprocity. If you're walking by somebody down the street and you smile, the majority of the time they smile back. Well, the majority of the time they do. It, it's copying things. And you're going to bring up my Bloody Marys later, but I'll tell you a story about that because things are contagious. You know, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a few songs in my life that I love. You know, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of upbeat songs. My theme song is Crazy by Seal. You got to be a little crazy to survive. You got to live on the edge like a skateboarder, right? So you got to be a little crazy to survive because what happens if you're too serious? You're going to go nuts in today's society. You know, chill out a little bit. You don't don't be so stiff. And I'll joke around with the staff. I hang here in the morning or at night with the staff, and we have a family here. Once again, you're just a new member of our family, and we've got four or five more brothers that we adopted after you. So this family keeps growing. Well, and the coolest thing, one of the coolest things, is everybody here. Everybody. You know, when I from the first day I walked in, 
And again, here comes the goosebumps. I, I'm going to have to work on the lighting in here or something so you can see them. Because He's got them, folks. I see them. Everybody here just uh it was a warm welcome it yeah. was a warm welcome there was no uh you know um I, what am i trying to say that there was no like um competition it was it was everybody is helping everybody everybody in the nrm family realizes that like i said in the opening a rising tide raises all ships as we all succeed we all succeed we all succeed as we succeed and everybody here made me feel comfortable every single person and and it was just like a natural progression there wasn't effort it was easy and you are a huge part of that now nrm in michigan you know we're growing global we're growing mm -hmm. national mm -hmm. and did you grow up in michigan where are you from yeah. originally well that's that's a good question um Born in Detroit, it's uh, it, it, uh, sign that sign at Grace Hospital, I should say, uh, July 11th, 1960. Um, I was born, we, we lived in Livonia for the first four years of my life, and then we moved to Southfield in 1964. So, you know, I'm in Detroit, I'll be 59 on 7 11 this year. Uh, go get a free Slurpee and, and mention my name. But we grew up in, in the area, and um, I grew up in a very entrepreneurish neighborhood. And, and you know, you're, you are what your surroundings are. So as a young child, I started my first business at seven, and and there used to be a carpet chain called New York Carpet World, mm -hmm. and Nationwide Tax Service, and Serta Mattress, and Detroit City Dairy. These were my neighbors, and so when I was young, I didn't go play with the kids. I interviewed the fathers, all right, and then I was babysitting. We got a, my dad bought this big hunky snowblower. Well, I turned that into a business. But my first business, can I talk about it right now? Oh, yeah. So, my first business, my grandfather and uncle and my dad were big cigar smokers. So, they would go to the wholesale house and pick up cigars, and they'd buy me a box of candy. So, I'd went home, and I'd set up a card table on the driveway, and I sold the candy. I doubled my money. Next time we went next week, I bought two boxes. And I tell people that was my favorite business because two things. One, no rent. Mom and dad didn't charge me rent. And I had no cost of inventory. So it was my most profitable business ever. You know, in a month or two I had three tables set up and twenty-two different candies, and now I'm banking money, and I'm seven years old. And so you look at that and you learn the value of a dollar. Now I grew up in an upper middle class family. I had there was nothing that I didn't have, but I learned that if I wanted to control my life, I was gonna make money. Because then no one can tell me the way I'm spending my money. And there's more stories I'll get into later. If, if you, well, I don't know if you want to go now or later or where I progressed. I don't know. There's so much to talk about. I it's, mean, it's you got show. me inspired. No, it's, it's your it's, show. But it's, it's you got me show. so freaking inspired with your intro. It's like, gosh, I'm, I'm high already. Okay. <laughs> and and so you know, as we grew up and we grew up in the neighborhood, you know, I started babysitting because I was a guy and there were some unruly kids that no one could babysit for. I had the, the Gilbert kids, the three of them, right? One ended up in jail and all the, but we were friends. And I can control them. Well, three kids, right? I, got, I was getting four bucks an hour back then. And so in the afternoon, I'd be blowing driveways with snowblowers, and at night I'd be babysitting. And I'm banking on coin. I'm just doing this. And my dad was in the insurance business, and he had a big insurance agency with a lot of agents. So I would go in on Saturdays to the office with him, and then my uncle and dad and his friends would go to the racetrack. So they'd take me to the racetrack at 7 a.m. So I knew how to bet on the ponies. <laughs> and, and, and you did that. And, and so I would go do that. But I got inspired. So I was looking forward to go to work with my dad on Saturday or go with my grandfather. And we did that. So as I babysat and did the stuff in the neighborhood, I, I was racing. Now, also at 7 years old, uh, the owner of New York Carpet World, Marv Berlin, everyone knew Nussbaum, but Berlin was the guy behind the scenes. He was the genius behind the business. 
his daughter babysat for us. So she woke me up at, at 11 o'clock one night to watch the first New York Carpet World commercial with Sonny Elliott on Channel 4. So Karen wakes us up, and I see it. Well, Mar Berlin was a genius at marketing. He knew that every, every week they'd have two sales, and they were the largest sale of the year. Sale absolutely starts on Sunday, ends on Wednesday, but if you want the best price, you better be there on Wednesday. But guess what? Thursday, the bigger sale starts. And that ended up, that ended up on Saturday. So he created urgency. And it, it paid off for me later in retail stores I had, because I knew how to create urgency. So I learned from the master. So we do that, and we go on. And then my dad sold out his insurance agency and decided to go in the clothing business. So for 10, 11 years old, I'm selling short Jewish guys' leisure suits. And see, so many people, I think, you know, I, I have uh, ha- wore a, quite a few hats in my life. And, and in today's uh, society, it's really sort of crazy because many of the young, younger kids that I talk to, and I, when I say younger kids, I'm talking 17, 18, 21, 22, they, they didn't have their first job till they're like 18, 19 years old. I personally started delivering papers at 11. Oh, I did that too. So I, I, could buy, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah, so I could buy my own bike. My parents said, we ain't, you know, if you're going to be skateboarding, you know, uh, we can't afford to be buying you shoes like this. So I'd be, I got my paper out and I, I I had to pay for my own stuff. Plus, I was an ice hockey goaltender, and that isn't cheap. So, I had to buy my own gloves and my own things that weren't supplied by the city. And so, I started at a young age. What Not, paper did you deliver? The News Herald, every Wednesday and Sunday. That I, was, was, I was the observer eccentric. Yep, same thing. Can I, can I say something that now I think it's past the time they can't bust me for what I did? Sure. Okay. I don't have to be on government witness protection program. The eccentric paid you. They wanted you to deliver everybody the paper, even if they didn't pay I didn't go for that program. If you ain't paying, you're not getting the paper. So I'd go to the recycling place once a month with hundreds of papers because they're not paying me. Why am I going to walk to their driveway and deliver something if they're not paying me? So I, I had the highest percentage of people that paid because I would pitch them and say, hey, you know what? I'm working hard for you. You better pay. Well, when it snowed, my mother drove me on a Lincoln. Uh, so I was the classy delivery guy because a Lincoln would drive me around to deliver on a snow day. But they also gave away town club pop. And buy the crates. So if you deliver much, you'd go to Tell 12 Mall and they'd give you four empty crates and you'd fill it with any flavors you wanted. Okay? And so I'd end every month, I'd pick up pop and do this and I'd deliver and do that. So I forgive me if the eccentric people are listening. I didn't deliver all the papers, but we did okay. Yeah, it did get tough because you had to deliver. I, I had a pretty cake route, uh, but you had to deliver. I had to deliver 300 papers. And not everybody paid, but I was still delivered 300 papers. And I had to keep the receipts of who paid and do this and do did, that. Did you have that ring thing? The oh, yeah. Ring? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, your little collection book and all that kind of stuff. You know, down in Riverview, which is where I grew up, it's about 20 minutes or so south of Detroit. It's only four square miles. It's a four square mile city. We are so small, we had to use the neighboring city's zip code. That's where I grew up at. And we had one little corner on the corner of Sibley and Fort Street was where any stores were in Riverview. And um, I can't remember the exact year. Mr. Benzman probably can. But there was a, a store up there that was sort of crazy. It was called Crazy Benzies. I probably got kicked out of there more times than I can count, because we would just go. We didn't have any money. We would just go and kill time and look at everything. What do you know about Crazy Benzies there, Mr. Okay, Benzman? So, so now you got me into a little further. We missed a bunch of businesses, but we'll stream up to Crazy Benzies. Okay. okay? I went to Wayne State, um, started in 1978. I went for business. And um, in 1979, I started importing tools from Taiwan. 
Uh, I met a friend of mine at school, a guy named David Simon, and I was buying tools from an importer, and I always wanted to import my own tools. So David said, hey, my dad's in the import business. He wants to meet you. So I went home to David's father's house and said, hey, Mr. Simon, nice to meet you. He goes, um, what's, what's up? David said, you want to import tools. Well, this guy imported all the stuff for drugstores, like beach balls and fans and all this stuff you see there. And I said, Sal, um, I'd like to bring my own tools. And he says, well, will you teach me the tool business? I said, Sal, I'll make a deal. You'll bring in my brand, which was Performance Tool back then, and I'll put that in. I said, Sal, I just want the Midwest. You can bring in tools in somewhere or other country. So I said, you got a deal. So he was going to put up the money. So I go home and I tell my dad, because we were doing the tools at the flea market through a distributor, and I tell him what the guy's going. He says, you're full of crap. This guy's not going to do this. But he, I said, Dad, he wants to have lunch with us Saturday. So we go to Saturday, and Sal repeated this to him. I'm willing to put up the money. And this is a couple hundred thousand back then. That's a lot of money for Paul. And he'll bring his own tool line in. Six weeks later, my own brand of tools was coming over from overseas. I was there to see the first container of performance tool. So I opened up a warehouse at Aiden Telegraph, and we started wholesaling tools. And we were printing money. I mean, I'm, I'm 20 years, 19 years old, printing money. Now, I'm still spinning records because I had my disc jockey company, which I didn't tell you about. I started in 77. So I'm doing bar mitzvahs and weddings and everything on weekends, and I'm selling tools, and I'm still going to Wayne State. So here I am, hustling tools and doing that stuff, and, and we did this. So I have the warehouse, and no one had imported tools back then, so all the Ace Hardware stores would buy from me, and it was just crazy. Well, now I'm going to school, and I'm counting cash, okay? A 19-year-old kid making a quarter million dollars a year, going to school for accounting for 35. Well, it didn't take long to figure out the math that, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to school for. And I had to move out of the house before I told my mom I'm leaving school. I already left school. And my dad knew about it. He was cool with it. But I left school. So we're doing the wholesale thing, and I'm spinning records and just doing this stuff, right? So I get a call at the warehouse in 1982 from a good friend of ours, Seymour Kleiman. His son and I were good friends, and he had passed away in an accident. It's a sad story. But Seymour had stores called Mattress Warehouse, like 10 stores in Detroit. He says, Paul, I have a sublease of a store in Livonia. Would you like to go retail? Well, let me go back just a couple months prior. Sal Simon passes away, the buddy who brought my tools in. Mm -hmm. And we had a choice. Do we want to stay in the wholesale business or do we go in the retail business? Do I want to continue importing tools? Well, I decided you can't be in the wholesale business and the retail business because you're not selling these stores and selling cheap in retail. So we had to get out of the wholesale business. And I used to read the Sunday News, New York Times, and there was a chain of stores called Crazy Eddie's in New York. And I would see the Crazy Eddie's ads. Well, let's go back a couple years prior. Um, how many people know Sheldon Yellen from Belfour? You know, he was on uh, the, uh, the Undercover Boss. Well, Sheldon has the biggest uh, recovery service. Now people have floods and fires. They mm-hmm. So Belfour, Sheldon and I would play cards. Well, Sheldon gave me the nickname Benzie from Benzman. Mm-hmm. And he gave me the nickname Benzie. And the Jackalones from the Jackaloni family, the Eastside mob, would call me, hey, Benzie, come over here. And, and we're friends with him. We did the real estate. We still do. But at the end of the day, um, I was I was Benzie. So I, Seymour calls me, want to do a store. I talked to my father. Let's do a store. I said, let's do two stores. Let's, let's you know, co- bring the cost of advertising, amortize it over two stores. So we wound down the wholesale business. In August of 82, the first two crazy Benzie stores were open. Uh, and, and that's what we called them. So I, at Crazy Eddie's, I called Crazy Benzies. And our thing was, his prices are insane. And we opened the two stores, and from that on, there were some stories. But eventually, I started franchising and built a chain of stores. And it was just a blast. But let's go back. 82, I opened stores, right? So I'm spinning records, and I have stores, right? 
83 limousines business got big in Detroit. So I went out and bought a limo. I brought it home on Thanksgiving Eve. My parents look at me like I got a third eye and said, <laughs> What do you know about the limo business? I said, Nothing, but I'll learn real quick. And I entered the limo business. So here I am, 23, limousines, wholesale, spinning records, and I'm on top of the world. Wasn't dating much. I was working my ass off. And I was wondering, when, when do you sleep? When well, do you sleep? And, and I didn't have to. I, I did, but you know, I slept, uh, got home from the bars with the guys at 2, um, and then I would sleep for four or five hours and be at the office. But I had so much energy in me, and, and I have that energy till this day. I don't sleep a lot of hours. And so as I, I got this energy, it can't shut my mind off. You know, you probably relate to this. Well, we're very we we are very similar because you know, as, as you're talking, you know, when you were going to Wayne State and spinning records and doing this, you know, I very similar going to Wayne State, doing custom hardwood floors with my dad, still playing junior hockey, riding a skateboard at a high level, trying to hold down a girlfriend, and it just seemed normal because that's how how I've operated my whole life. We you didn't know? know anything different, right? We we don't know different. You you know, it's like people say, um, "How'd you grow up?" I grew up how I grew up. It was just my environment, you know. No one told me, you know. And later on in life, I mean, it got it got a little lonely for a while because when you're young and successful, you wanted your friends to hang with you. So my buddies would say, "Hey, can we take the limo out tonight?" And the deal was, you pay the driver and the gas. We have a limo. So me and my buddies on a Thursday night would go out and bar hop and be in the limo, you know. And then and one of my friends almost put his head through this. That he was he was stoned and he almost put his head through the TV in the limo. The limo stopped. He didn't. But you had a lot of fun, and, and, and you just enjoyed life. It was so much simpler back then to say, hey, let's just start a business. Mm-hmm. And, and we could go on and on on the, on the numerous businesses that I built and sold. But I always realized that the people you work with are the value of your company. Okay, It's not I, it's we. And I can't have this business, and, and it's, I shouldn't say I, my son got us into this mess, and I'll tell you a little later about Ian and, and, and my idol of my son. But you really get into this thing, and there's never a business that anyone worked for me. They worked with me. Crazy Benzies, I was the youngest employee. Okay? I unloaded trucks until the day I sold the business. Well, and you bring up a great point. One of my favorite books of all time is called Think and Grow Rich. And a great story in there is a gentleman who got on a boxcar, and he was going to work with Edison. And he said, I'm not going to work for you. I'm going to work with you. And he worked in the warehouse. And again, the goosebumps come because that book is very inspiring. It's not about growing rich. It's seriously about some, some growth inside of you. But the gentleman got there. And he worked in the warehouse for a couple years. And after a while, Edison said, I need somebody to install my new invention. And dude raised his hand. And so it was the invention by Edison installed by Burns. And he became a millionaire because he said, I'm here to work with you, not for you. And that's a great, great analogy on your part that everybody here is working together. Everybody here is working together. You can grow a company if you keep replacing the people that work with you. Okay, so sometimes you have to fine tune it. That maybe someone does. I, I, my analogy is that I hire instruments to make beautiful music, and one might be out of tune a little bit, but I'm gonna work damn hard to make sure it's tuned right or change their position, because all I want is beautiful music, and if you do that and you create this, it's great, and it's not about me. Okay, this isn't about me. This is about a dream that's bigger than me, that the vision of my son had. And really, it's a whole story that him and I should be interviewed together on one of your shows. Because it's really a story of a gentleman who's been divorced twice, 
who a son who's been through four divorces total, who is one of the most amazing human beings in the world, okay, that teaches me things. All right, you can never be stiff. That you got to learn every day. If you don't learn, you're not growing. If it's the smallest thing every day, if you learn one thing, you grow. You never want to stop growing. So my son educates me. Yeah, we fight. Yeah, we fight, but we come out stronger. Okay. The saying I said before: "I love you, but I don't like you right now." It's a great saying. All right. But I'll go out of my way for anyone who works with us if they need a hand. Because if they're hurting at home, they're not performing at work. And I've learned that in and out and in and out that corporations don't get that. You're a freaking number. You're a number. I've been offered three major corporate jobs in my life. I took one for five minutes until my friend talked me out because he told you to tell him where to go. And I can't do it. I can't do it. Hey, there's, it's fine to have a job. There's people that should work, and there's people that should lead. And there's people that should control their destiny. I'm from the world of you control your destiny. The mind is the most powerful thing in the world. You can wish your way to health, right? You know a brother, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, you died. You came back, right? (laughs) And and you, you look at that. Cancer patients who are positive, they end up pretty good. Well, there's a hospital, on, on that note, there's a hospital in China that doesn't have any medicine. Uh, and it, it, it's, it, it's, um, it's basically based on belief. And gentlemen come in chanting, and you can watch it on YouTube, look it up, but they will chant, and you can see uh, through you know, the x-ray machine, cancer uh, just disappear. Because the person laying on the table does believe that these people are there to help them. And, and the power of belief is a strong thing. And you also reminded me of, uh, Elon Musk calls it the five chimps theory. You're the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. And growing up, for me, most of my friends were content with working a 40-hour week job. I knew I would never be that. And not that I uh, tried to uh, specifically switch friends, but it just has a way of working out where you attract, like I said in the opening, we are giant magnets. We are going to attract like-minded individuals. Like does attract like. And if you're operating on this level, on the entrepreneurship level, like Mr. Benzman, you are going to attract other people like that to you as you continue to evolve as a person, as I evolve, as everybody in this room evolves. Your recent story, we just finished doing Comic-Con in Novi, and these guys killed it. They executed 150%. Okay, I had tears in my eyes all weekend. Was, You're crying. Why? Because my kids did a great job. We had a, a lady, a volunteer, for the first time, and I got to know her. I had to know everybody. If you were there, you're going to know me. And there's a young lady that, that was there and got talking to her. She went to film school, and they, they got her from Motion Pictures in New Michigan. And it was great because she said she just started her first business. I said, tell me more about it. She goes, why do you want to know? Because I'm going to help you build it. And she's in the silkscreen business. She does silkscreen. I said, guess what? I'm your new favorite customer. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I want to build your business. She goes, you don't mean that. I said, yeah, I got a challenge. If you don't email me by Wednesday, I'm going to come hunt you down. She emailed me. Okay? She emailed me, and I said to the guys here today, we're going to help her build her business. And we are. Okay? And that's I'm going to be her biggest customer right away. And that's one of the very first things you said to me in our first meeting. You said, you know what? I look, I like you. You, you bring in a positive vibe. I dig it. I'm going to help any way I can. Yeah, your brand. I want to build your brand. I love it. Okay? What did I tell you when you came in? Yeah. We're going to build the brand. Yep. And, and, and I just, that's who I am. Okay? 
if the world could be like us, Gerald, if the world could be like us, and everyone else that I mentor here, everyone in the studio, all our help people behind the mics, if they could all be like this, okay? When I speak, I do the thing called the $20,000 challenge to start a business, right? People don't understand, and this is something that aggravates me, communication skills are a little weak today. I'll be very mild. They're a little weak. And people don't buy a product. They buy the person before they buy the product. 100%. If they don't trust you or me because you walk in there and start to sell them, hey, I got something to sell you, and they get out of here. If you go in the room, you notice you see a picture of him on his boat. Hey, that's a cool boat. You want to tell me about your boating? Within 30 seconds, you got to become that guy's best friend. Show interest in him, not something you're selling. Because they'll tell you what you want once they know you. They'll tell you that. But I tell people as I go around to do motivational speaking and entrepreneurship is that if people believe in you, friends and family, there's not one person on this planet that can't raise $20,000 to start a business. That's my challenge. If, if you have passion for what you do, real passion for what you do, and people believe it, you're going to raise that money. Now, get rid of the naysayers, the people that are, and I'm not going to use the word because there's no one that is a loser. Everyone's a winner. There are some people that just don't win as much, okay? Or got to be beat up and be around positive people. You said it. Surround yourself with positive energy, okay? You know, you tell your friends, you know what? I understand you right now, but I can't spend around you. You're giving me negative waves, okay? When you want to be motivated, come see me. I'll help you. I'll help pick you up. But if you're positive and you're around the right people, I challenge anyone on this planet that they can't raise $20,000 for business. And you bring up a great point. You can't fake authenticity. One of the things you said to me, in, in, in a weird way, like I had to look it up and, and really grasp it. You're like, you're real. And I didn't try to put on a uniform. I didn't try to put on a front. I didn't present anything that I, I wasn't. And authenticity comes through. I know it comes through in this camera. I, I know it does. When I talk, I'm not talking BS from a book I read. I'm talking from life experience. I'm talking from things I've been through, things that work for me. I don't tell anybody how to run their life. I offer you suggestions that work for me. My awesome guests, every episode, they offer suggestions. They tell you how they operated. Mr. Benzman today telling you a boatload a volumes of knowledge here that you can do whatever you set your mind to and shift gears. I mean, to go from being a DJ to uh, importing tools to uh, we're going to get into real estate right now and then to MR NRM. We are in this studio right here, right here because of a vision, because of Ian Benzman, because of Paul Benzman, because of my buddy Angel, because of everybody. But that was attracted. You know, that, uh, you know, uh, uh, the theme of this show is a rising tide raises all ships. That's the theme of this show. That should be the headline because we are a family here. I'm so honored and stoked that I was brought into this family because it's life changing for me. Life changing for me. The people I meet, the people I get to talk to. And to have you on this show today, I'm learning things as we go, just like you are. And so, you know, uh, I really want to get into NRM. For the second half of this show, uh, you know, I know. Let's let's touch on a little bit of the real estate and move right into NRM because you had to be like, what the what what? You know, uh, you want to do what? Because I'm sure Ian has a different vision than you, and you had to have a discussion. And and so, uh, you know what? Let's jump right into it. It wasn't. How did a, that it happen? It wasn't a what what? How did how did it happen? It wasn't a what what? What it was was. Um, 
for 22 years now, I've been a real estate broker. Um, do very well with it, but it's not my passion. Now, while I've been a real estate broker 22 years, I've had three or four businesses I've started while I'm doing real estate. My first broker said to me, you're not a real estate broker, you're an entrepreneur that does some real estate. Steve Karras, one of my first brokers, great guy. Learned a lot from Steve. And and so that as I look at that, um, a lot of entrepreneurs are ADD. They're all over the place. They're creative and they can't shut their minds off. So what happened was, I had the show on ESPN in 2012, doing that show, and um, with my partner Peter Perlman. He's supposed to be my sidekick. Ended up being my partner. And we, my favorite two hours was Saturday morning from eight to ten. We talked about real estate and entrepreneurship, and I picked up a lot of clients. Well, the signal from ESPN Detroit. It was in, in Garden City, barely got out to Oakland County. But I was marketing on Facebook back then. So we had calls coming in from all over the country. You know, Bob from Florida would call in and so and so. And it was cool. Well, I get a call from the station owner that as of such and such a time, we're no longer on the air because they're going to start college football at 8 a.m. And we got preempted by college football. So my career days at ESPN Detroit were like, see you later, sucker. And we got off, and uh, I missed that Saturday morning. Peter and I would get up for coffee, we'd go to the studios, then we'd go to the Garden City Diner and have, you know, with our favorite waitress, and it was great, great. It was my favorite two hours of the week. So I move into this new office about four years ago, uh, before years ago in August, and I said to Peter, let's go buy some more airtime somewhere, let's go look. So I started shopping airtime. And my son Ian, who was 25 back then, said, Dad, you're a, I'll be calm because we're on the air. You're a freaking idiot. It was a little harsher than that. And I said, What do you mean? He goes, Podcasts and streaming is the way to go. Now, B, being a serial entrepreneur and a numbers guy, said, Ian, show me the numbers. So we started piling things on my desk. And also, my, my, uh, my office assistants, uh, Elizabeth, started bringing articles. And they started piling up on my desk. I said, Holy shit, this thing's not real. So I call up Peter. I said, Peter, write me a check. He has no clue what we're doing. Peter's pushing 70. I said, just write me a check. I'm going to make you a multimillionaire on this deal. He says, how fast can you be over here? So our office is here, and he's on 15 in Orchard Lake. I run over there. He cuts me the check. I said, don't ask me anything. Just don't ask me anything. Come back. Tell Ian we're there. I put money. He puts it. We open a bank account. Now we all go to Peter's office, and we're trying to figure out a name for this thing. And, and, and Peter's coming Lazy River Broadcasting, Ian's rolling his eyes, and this one's this and this, and Digi this and Digi that's over. Ian says... And now, Ian, let's let's hold up for one second. Yeah. Ian has some background in digital media in this no, kind of thing coming no, up to this. No, no, no. Ian's background was film school and music. And, and that's a whole other show, his filming and his music stuff and, and what he's done. I mean, that's a couple-hour show. But what happens is, we're sitting there, and Ian comes up, how about... New radio media. New being streaming, radio being the foundation for TV. Let's call it NRM, new radio media. Well, we hear people get stuck on radio, so recently we're switching it over to NRM Streamcast. But So we start this journey, and, and Ian had the vision. We get it, we get going, and we're going to build the first studio that we're in here now. And we did this, and we did it. And then I, 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 the first person I hired was a guy named Buzz Van Houten. And, and Buzz, I met at ESPN or before ESPN. Buzz has been in Detroit radio now 45 years. So, Buzz and I are friends on Facebook. I remember the morning I start chatting with him. Buzz, I got to talk to you. Like, what do you want? I said, Buzz, I got to talk to you. What do you want? I said, I need to talk to you. Let me pull on the side of the road. So, he pulls on the side of the road and he calls me, Benzman, what do you need? Sounds urgent. I said, Yeah. 
I said, we're starting a digital streaming network. He goes, where are you? I said, here's my address. I'll be there. 20 minutes later, this tall guy walks and says, tell me more. I want to know more. I'm in. I said, slow down. Well, I got to say, Buzz, uh, we don't. We have yet to sit down for hours, but our small conversation, that guy is brilliant. He is brilliant. We and he looks at me like, oh, I want to sit down with you. You have so much, you know. You're so no. I like pale in comparison to what Buzz brings to the table. He is such a rad dude to be a part of NRM and the family here. Yeah. So Buzz tells me, okay, what's in? I said, I can't afford to pay you a lot. Is what can you afford to pay? I said I can pay you this amount, and for this many hours. He goes, I'm in. So Buzz starts here. So it was Ian, myself, and Buzz, and we started doing this thing, and then. Buzz's son came in, and we're building the studio, and Peter calls me up and said, are we out of money yet? I said, nope, I just put another 100 Gs in the business. We're good for a few more months, and don't worry about it. So we did this, and then I've raised a lot of money for real estate deals and other companies. So I did a thing called a private placement. We raised some money, then we raised some more money. And you know, in a new business, you can never have enough, especially when you have big dreams. And Ian and I can't stop dreaming big, and you got to think big, because if you don't think big, you're not going to get big. And if you think too small, you're going to get halfway where you are. So my attitude is, think real big, and you'll get halfway there. You really achieved what you're looking for. Right, right. You don't think you just you don't. So we got going, and, and Buzz is here, and everything's going on, and it, it's just we're trying to figure out the whole thing. Ian knew it. I fought him a little bit. We knew it, and we did this thing, and and we started growing. Hired the next person, do this, do that, and it took us. And Ian's going to shout at me because he knew it early on. You know, he knew it, and I didn't listen a lot of times. The thing is, and don't let him. I hope he's not listening. He's right nine out of ten times. Right? It's been published in newspapers and all that. He's my idol. But you also got to look at the money side. And, and when you're raising this kind of money and you're burning through a lot of money, it's stressful. Now, I've built and sold a lot of businesses, but this is my biggest challenge in my lifetime. It's also the most rewarding for the people in our family, but it's really beat the crap out of me. I mean, there are days my shoulders were hurting. It's heavy shoulders, it's heavy lifting. But I have to say, when I walk in, yeah. I come in always on Thursdays. Yeah. And occasionally, on other days, I stop by to visit. You are always, I, I, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see that stress. Either you hide it great, or I come in when he's always on, on an emotional high. No, no, you... Ian sees it. Ian gets the brunt of it. I apologize. Uh, he gets the brunt of it. But the fact is, is that we make up and we're stronger. And so, you know, it's it's me hanging with my family. You know, Angel will tell you, I'm at the boards hanging out with, you know, with everybody and and who's behind the boards over here? Hey, there she is. Hey, Kelsey. Kelsey's, you know, Kelsey's been here over 2 years. I she's a daughter to me. All right? No one here knows they're not part of a family. I always had a deal when people worked with me, if you're not having fun, just tell me you're not having fun. You got to enjoy what you do. Why are you going to work somewhere or be somewhere if you don't like it? Now, some people work 9 to 5, they don't love it, but that's another day and another story for us that you take your plan A and go to plan B. I've consulted hundreds of people to start businesses. I want to do a show, The Entrepreneur Me, I just don't have time. But I'll tell you a real fast story. I'm at Taco Bell because I'm a foodie, right? They start breakfast at Taco Bell, and i got to go find the Taco Bell breakfast, right? Well, who becomes my best friend? The manager of the store, right? And the manager of the store is there, and we're talking. I said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he has a restaurant experience. And he says, I want to open up some food trucks. I said, why aren't you doing it? How about this day? He's got two or three food trucks. He's doing amazing. I was invited to his wedding. We're best buddies. It is the craziest. It is the craziest, Mr. Benzman, because I've been asking that question for 10 years. I've been asking every different age demographic, you, you know, from an 18-year-old to a 60-year-old. You know, 
in a perfect world, what would you be doing to pay the bills? And I'm shocked. I am shocked. 70 to 80% say, I don't know. I say, you never sat on the couch and dreamed about what you want to do. And I said, imagination is your only limit. You want to be a hip hop star, you want to be a pro athlete, you want to be an entrepreneur. Most people don't even think like that. And you're living proof that you can live like that. I'm living proof that you can live your dream, still uphold your adult responsibilities, and, and pursue dreams. Mr. Benzman is a a great example of that. And and I think one of the raddest things is you have discussed here how at certain points you pivot, you know, make lay out a plan, pivot, lay out a plan, pivot. And NRM is a great example of that. You know, you look at this and you look at corporate America and they're just too big because here's the deal, if you're an entrepreneur, you got to turn on a dime. Okay? If something's not working, you turn as fast as possible. All right? I had a partner, I'm not going to use any names, was a MBA student, a graduate from the University of Michigan, who overlies paralysis by overanalysis. Yep. That's what I call it. And something that would take me five minutes to make a decision took him two weeks. He came from corporate America, and they had meetings after meetings to decide something. And my deal is, just do it. If you do it wrong, you can correct it. It didn't take me two weeks of boardrooms, hundreds of employees cost me money, you made a mistake, okay? So do it the other way. I just saved my company money mm-hmm. by doing it quick. How do you get to A to B as fast as you can without stumbling? And if I screw up, guess what? It's a learning experience. Make a difference. Change it. Do it. There's nothing in the world that's going to kill anyone by making it. Well, I shouldn't say that. If a surgeon makes a mistake, okay. But, but in a business, you learn. Okay? People have gone bankrupt. Let me give you a number. Are the Fortune 400 richest people in the world? 60% have gone bankrupt at least twice in business. And so many of them, you know, you brought up failure. Their motto is fail fast and fail hard because they can pivot quick, get be done with it, not waste a lot of time or money. Exactly. Let's talk about home run hitters in baseball. They're also leading strikeout people, right? Right. So they swing for a home run, but they strike out more than anyone. Okay, great example. You know what? I got the most number of strikeouts, but I got also the most number of home runs. Babe Ruth. That's right. So if you look at that in in, in a business that you're going to swing and you're going to strike out, you're going to get bruised and beaten, but you're going to come up strong. It's like the weeble wobbles, but it doesn't fall down. Mm -hmm. I've wobbled so much in my life, I'm a weeble. Okay? And you do that. And you're bruised and abused, whether it's it, it, it and also it's a mixture. A good friend of mine the other day said, Hey, you know, I, my joke is I'm saving for my third ex wife. Yeah. Well, when you're an entrepreneur, all right, and don't take this wrong, your your business is your is your wife. Your girlfriend or your wife is your mistress. And the right partner understands that. Because it doesn't mean you don't put them on a pedestal and you don't because they want nice things, right? You give it to them. And I put any woman I'm with on a pedestal. But don't interfere with the business. Okay? If you make a plan and we're going out for dinner, I'll be there. Unless I give you notice I gotta fly to China or I gotta be somewhere, fine, or come with me. But an entrepreneur, the Donald Trumps of the world, any entrepreneur has probably been married a few times. Elon Musk, this one, they're all they're all because here's the deal. Like Elon did. He slept in the factory for months to make sure he could build 5,000 units a month because he promised his shareholders he would. I've been here many nights to 2, 3, 4 in the morning. I live five minutes from here. If I got an idea, I've been here at 3 in the morning. There's a gentleman in an office down the hall. We laugh at each other because sometimes at 4 in the morning, we look at each other in the hallway, and we look, we're the only two nuts in the building. But guess what? It's my passion. It's my passion. And so 
Time is, is it. The great story is my mom's 84. I bought her a laptop years ago. And she's on Facebook. Well, first I said, Mom, join Facebook. I'm not joining Facebook. I leave my phone on live vibrate. Six o'clock this morning, she's asking my friendship on Facebook. She joins it. So this is a few months ago. I'm on Facebook. She's on Facebook at 2 a.m. Ian jumps in and tells us both to go to bed. And, and so he's up, I'm up, and, and I wanted to show, start a show, and, and maybe we'll do it, called the Insomnia Breakfast Club. You know, live cameras on 3 a.m. going to Hunter House and the burger places, seeing the drunks. It's just, it's energy. You can't shut it off. I went to the doctor years ago. I said, will you put an off switch on my brain? I can't shut this thing off. Let's talk about creative people. Michael Jackson, okay? Prince. Both had major problems sleeping. I average four to five hours a night if I'm lucky, and that's in two-hour segments. Um, meditation has been priceless for me. It I took me it. a decade to really learn how to meditate. Helps me calm my brain down a little bit. I used to carry a notebook in my back pocket because that's many how how many ideas I would have throughout the day. I used to make jokes and say they need to lock me in a uh, in a room and just listen to me run my mouth because I'd probably just come up with five ten million dollar ideas like then. And 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 you're talking about it. I at a certain point in my life I thought I was a strange dude. But the more that again I attract like-minded individuals, I realize we're very similar. We're very no, similar. listen, an entrepreneur's going to have the same story. I email myself notes every night. I come to the office, there's 30 things on the list to do. I might have 15 emails. I come to the office, I write them down. This is what I got to do. And if I can accomplish most of that list before noon and do extra above it, I'm having a good day. Right on. And so what happens is, this is what the entrepreneurial spirit is. And it's, it's funny, I have a homework assignment I give to people that come to me to change careers or figure out what they want to do in life. And this is a real simple homework assignment. Let these people listen to this, because it really gives you quality of life. Get out your pens. Yeah, so, so take a piece of paper. And on the left side, I want you to make a list of everything you like to do in your personal life. I don't care what age you are. Go back and say, okay, I used to collect model cars. I used to like to go to the museum. I used to like to go to the zoo. And I guarantee you that you forgot to do these things in the last 10 years because you're caught up in life. Then on the right side, I want you to take your careers or any job you had. And what did you like about that? Did I like delivering newspapers? Did I like working at McDonald's? Did I like cooking? Do I like this? And you put that on the right side. And the center is the most important thing. It's called quality of life. Okay, how long do I want to work? What do I want to make? What kind of house do I want to have? What kind of car do I want to drive? And it's not that, in, and some people live in big homes, but they have more, more stress. You know, more stress. I got jealous. I'm going to do a little sidetrack here. I'm spinning records at Eric Sterling at the bowling alley because we have the disc jockey company. And I got picked up by a lady. She bought me a drink. And then we ended up dating. Her father worked for GM. They had a beautiful little brick house in Warren. And I lived on the west side around big houses. I got jealous of their lifestyle. I was angry at the people on my side. The father would go fishing, have a few beers on the weekend. His house was paid for. Those people had to enjoy life. The other side of town, they're killing each other to see who can get a bigger Mercedes. And I came home, and I was almost embarrassed for where I lived. And I would, the quality of life is this. So we're going back to the quality of life list. Okay, what kind of house do I want to live? Do I want to live in an apartment? What do I want to live in? What is my perfect life for me for the next year, two, three, four, five years to say, where am I going? So I'm going to go back to the, the left side of the list. What do I like to do personally? Because I need time for that, right? So I need X amount of hours to execute that. So when I figure out how many hours I'm working, okay, let's say I want to work 40 hours. Okay, 
because I want to go fishing because I like fishing. I want to go to the museum once in a while. I want to go whatever I want to do on that left side, I want to do. On the right side, it says, boy, I really liked cooking. I worked at this restaurant, so-and-so, and I really have a passion for cooking. So now I want to work 40 hours a week. I want something to do with food, and this is what I want to do. Do I want to own a restaurant? Do I want to work a restaurant become a cook? Maybe I'll take a class at night because now I'm, a, I'm an accountant and I hate it. So I'll go to Schoolcraft College, take a nice cooking class at night, and I'll always, my plan A is I'm hating accounting, but I love cooking. And I'm going to figure out quality of life, A and B side, how to become a cook or how to open a little restaurant. But I'm also going to say, okay, I want to live on $100,000 a year. So my house is going to be this much, my car is going to be this much, so i got to earn this much. Then i got to figure out per hour how much i got to make. Do the math. I want to make $100,000 a year. I want to work 50 weeks, so divide 50 into the 100000 divide it by 40. What do I got to make an hour? What's my time worth? Well, and you bring up a, a great point that a lot of people don't think about, and that is developing a plan, realizing what you want and what you don't want. A bigger list for me is a list of things I don't want. And that made a big impact in my life, because uh, uh, laying out a plan, what you want to live, you know, the kind of house you want to live, the kind of lifestyle you want to live. If you don't want anything and you want to run all over the world, then lay out your lifestyle for that too, you know. But laying out a plan and thinking about it, because I don't think many people do. Well, you know what the plan is: this every day we learn, okay. And I don't regret anything in my life that I've done, because I am who I am because of what I've experienced. Yes. I don't care about that. I, I got divorced a couple times. I don't regret either one of those. I, I don't regret the mistakes. I don't regret 22 years ago and going personal bankrupt for almost a million dollars. I learned a lot. A good friend of mine called me from Florida and said, if money can solve a problem, it's not a problem. I'll tell you if what. If you don't have your health, you don't have nothing. Money can't buy you this. So I reversed it on this friend years ago because what happened was he told me that when I was going through bankruptcy. And I said, you know what? Money can solve a problem. It's not a problem. Pretty cool, right? Remember that line. Because if you're dying and no one can fix you, money can't solve that. So I called this friend on New Year's Eve to wish him Happy New Year's. And this guy was a multimillionaire. So I called him up and said, hey, so-and-so, how you doing? He sounded down. And when you're real, th real wealthy, you're not broke, you got cash flow issues, right? So I said, buddy, remember what you told me many years ago? If money can solve a problem, it's not a problem. Right away, I heard the smile on the phone. He said, thank you very much. I said, I want to call you Happy New Year and make a good one next year. He said, Happy New Year, my friend. And, and it's just that simple how one line can change someone's life. And so I want to do, and I will eventually, that Entrepreneur and You show and do motivational speaking. Right now, I'm growing a machine. We're growing a machine here. Well, and it is growing by leaps and bounds. I know we're coming down to it. Whoa. Uh, yeah, Where did we, the time go? We don't have too much time. We need we're gonna another have, class. We need another show. We're going to have to do another wow. hour. But I know you're going to be all over the globe here in the next week. I yeah. mean, you're, you're going to be in L.A., Tampa. I mean, you're going to be going around quite a few places because people are taking notice of NRM around this country. And I, I see us going international. I really do. It's, it's amazing. You know, Gerald, i got to thank you, okay, because of your energy that you give me. All right. The day we met, and, and, and Marianne will say, the energy you gave us is amazing. We talk about you all the time. And, and the fact is, is that that keeps me going. Energy brings people living and keeps get going. So you do that. But we got to sit down again because, yeah, we are traveling around. We're getting calls every day to expand this thing. But I got to thank you for inviting me. This has been probably my favorite hour of the week. 
Well, I thank you so much because uh, as soon as I started laying out the little bit of an outline, I was excited because a lot of this stuff I don't know. I had the the loose outline in my head because we have talked several times oh, yeah. about where we both have been and where we're going. But it, it's just it's really cool for me and for you, the viewer, to have the opportunity to hear these kinds of stories because I get inspired, you get inspired, Mr. Benzman's inspired, and and if we can do that for each other, that is, I mean, I, you can't put a price tag on that. You just can't. And so thank you all so much for tuning in. We're going to have to have round two because we only hit the tip of the iceberg today. And on this show, the whole goal is to inspire you to make the most out of the life you have. So this show does that for me. Today's show does that for me. Every show does that for me, and I hope it does it for you. So thank you so much for tuning in to The Drop-In, and until next week, I cannot wait to see you guys again.